It's time. Landeskog turned it over to Horvat, right to the slot. Pedersen scores! Is there anything this kid can't do? For Locked On Canucks. Now Pedersen out the right wing side. Saucer pass, left circle. Besser shoots and scores! It was good that Brock Lesnar got a goal. You got a journalism for that! The kids continue to get it done with Justin Morissette. He's a weird dude, yeah. It's good to have weird dudes. Yes! That's right, it is your Locked On Canucks for Saturday, January the 23rd. Coming to you on the day that the Vancouver Canucks are set to wrap up their three-game series with the Montreal Canadiens this evening, 7 o'clock at Rogers Arena. Game three, the rubber match to find out who's going to win this series. As I said yesterday, I think we know it's going to be Montreal given the circumstances on the Canucks back end at the moment. My name is Justin Morissette. You are listening to Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you missed it yesterday, late last night, I put out uh, part one of a lengthy two-part conversation with Jackson McDonald of Roxy Fever. I would recommend going back and listening to part one of that conversation before we continue today with part two. And why don't we continue that right now, hey? Why not? Why not? Why waste any time? Let's get right to it. Here it is, part two of my conversation with Roxy Fever's Jackson McDonald. And we begin by talking about the man who has five goals against his former club in the last two games, the league's leading scorer, Tyler Toffoli. Well, well, let's dive in a little deeper than on Tyler Toffoli right now because uh, he is also uh, right up there tied with Bo Horvat for the league lead in goals at the moment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you could have both of those guys on the same team, possibly even the same line if you had played your cards right. Instead, uh, we have who knows how many more years of Jake Vertanen to look forward to. And look, I don't want to get down to the false dichotomy that you had to pick one or the other and that if they'd let Vertanen walk, well, you know, Toffoli would still be here because that's not necessarily true. And that was sort of the line of defense that got trotted out uh, via Sat and, and Harmon last night on the broadcast. Yeah but, yeah. but that's not the issue, I don't think. And it's a more complicated thing than you have time to get into probably on an intermission panel like that. It's, sure. it's not the decision to keep Jake Vertanen that it means – Tyler Toffoli had to go, you know, uh, even though not keeping Jake Vertanen certainly opens up a significant amount of salary in order to be able to keep it to Foley. It's the decisions that you've made cumulatively over the last six years that have all mm-hmm. added up to this moment. You know, I feel like we've been having the same conversation, Jackson, over and over and over again for this entire Benning regime. I feel like I've been saying it since the day that Lucas Pisa and Derek Dorsett signed their extensions. It's death by a million cuts. They are not one thing that will kill you. It's not one move that's going to end your competitiveness. It's when you add all of these things up, and we've been watching them build and build and build these mistakes over time, over, you know, we're into year seven at this point. And the people who support this general manager acted like it was, uh, you know, a victory lap that this roster could squeeze under the salary cap. 
well, yeah. you know, they're cap compliant, so therefore everything's fine. As if they didn't <laughs> have to watch all of their good players walk away for nothing, basically, so that they could have the, the luxury of paying for guys that they overpaid for five years ago. And, you know, the most insane thing to me is when you see someone like Louis Erickson who cannot crack the lineup well before his contract has expired, that, you know, maybe general managers um, underestimate how long <laughs> six years actually is. Yeah. And yet, having said that, we still let this same guy hand out five-year deals to people like Tyler Myers, who over the last week is looking like he is going to look even worse than Louis Erickson long before he gets to that part of his contract. Yeah, it's this inability to think more than one step ahead. It's been a complaint of mine from the very beginning. And it, it I know we sound like a broken record, but the, the thing is, is that like, if you thought it was annoying to hear people complain about Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter when the team was bad and they didn't have any prospects and they didn't have any young players in the lineup, like, well, now we're seeing it actually matter, right? Yeah. The, the People made the point cap space doesn't matter in a rebuild okay well the rebuild's supposed to be over now they made the playoffs last year last year uh and that means that cap space does matter now and now the mistakes you made three years ago are finally actually costing you and so if people are sick of uh hearing about louis erickson or uh whichever you know insert bad contract here like uh it only just started costing them now. Like this was the entire point of that discourse that went on for years and years and years was that eventually we were going to get to this point. And now that it's happening, it's not like, it's kind of funny, but it's not even rewarding for people who, who were on that side of the ledger through this entire time. No, it's right? infuriating to be right. Cause this is painful for me to watch myself be proven right by these obvious predictions that I could see coming a mile away four years ago. You know, it's awful. And I don't want to, I don't want to be right this way. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I think that's part of the reason why I had a slightly more positive outlook at the beginning of the season was because I was like, well, we're in it now. I might as well root for them. I might as well try to enjoy this because whatever chance there was, to make the most of the end of Hughes and Pedersen's ELCs is gone now. This is what we have. So, you know, you might as well have a positive outlook on it, I guess. But uh, if this team is as bad as they look right now, and it's a little too early to say that that's going to be the case for sure, where do you even go from here? Like, are we going to be entering a second rebuild after this season because the first rebuild failed? Um, it does feel like right now, I know a lot of people were saying that this is like shades of the torts year last night, which I that do, was me. <laughs> well, you were not alone in that. Blake Price also made okay, that observation. Enough, yeah. Um, and, and I, I do see that too, but this also just feels like. You know, I know that we said in free agency based on their spending that ownership punted on this season, 
but it really does feel like that, that they have just given up preemptively to have an excuse season to be able to wipe their hands of this front office without anybody being able to say that, oh, they didn't get a proper chance or whatever. Like, you know, ownership certainly can't be accused of meddling when you gave these group of enormous dumbasses seven fucking years <laughs> to do their job, you know? Like, uh, yeah, but, but maybe that's the, maybe that's going to be the saving grace of all of it is that, you know, maybe there's more method to the madness from ownership's perspective than we think there is. And it just became uh, a situation where Francesco tells Jim, like, look, this is where you are. This Mm -hmm. is what you did. This is the bed you made. And now you have to lie in it. And if that's the case, like, I mean, it took you seven years, but okay, that's better. Better. We change course now than get another three years of the same, brand of mistakes and that's the thing is that even their successes reek of bad process yes and that was that was my point with jt miller that was my point with uh i mean tyler myers wasn't amazing last year but uh he was a lot better than i thought he was going to be so you could make the same case with him you could make the same case with uh um, other players too I, i i'm sort of drawing a blank who else would be a good example but like this is the thing is that you, you don't really – you shouldn't evaluate results. You should evaluate the decision-making process. And we know that basically outside of the draft, this team's uh, decision-making process is fundamentally flawed. And you're seeing them finally pay for it in a season where it actually is going to matter. And if you and I can figure that out, like, you know, the players aren't stupid, man. They might not be reading the media every single day, but they're living it in the same way that, you know, press guys are who are following this stuff day in and day out and having that shape our pessimism somewhat. You know, if you and I can figure this out, what do you think Elias Pettersson is thinking about when he is just dead eyed glazed over on the bench looking like, you know, uh, Ben Affleck during that Superman versus Batman (laughs) press conference? That is exactly what he looks like. (laughs) Like, you know, they know just as well as we do. We'll get back to that in just a moment. But first, are you ready for some football? What a weekend it promises to be. A pair of championship games in the NFL. Some beautiful jerseys going to be on the gridiron as well. And, uh, you know, if you like the look of that green on the field, you might like some green in your pocket as well. If you feel confident about who's going to win the big games this coming Sunday, well, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. You can bet on, of course, we got hockey games going on all the time. Uh, If you're enjoying watching this all-Canadian, division you can get in on the action there but it's a big football weekend here as well championship games in the nfl conference championships anyways the bills versus the chiefs the buccaneers versus the packers <laughs> which team representing the old guard between aaron Rodgers and tom brady is going to be the one to take on the new guard of either josh allen or patrick mahomes we will find out if you feel confident however you can lay some bets and turn that confidence into some money why not don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts 
who knows, maybe two weeks from now, this entire ship has been righted and we're feeling a lot better about it. But there is a lot of reason to think that this is just a lost season, especially when you are looking at pieces that should be helping you, like Tyler Toffoli, just light you up at the moment. And that's got to be just as tough for Pedersen as it is for us to watch. And Absolutely. I, I hate the metaphor that, uh, you know, it's over. They get over your ex. They broke up with you. Get over it. Uh, that's not how it works, okay? That's not a metaphor that holds water when they wanted to stay here. It's not like our ex broke up with us. They wanted to stay together, and we wanted to stay together. We are like the rich daughter right now of a high society gentleman being told that we <laughs> must break up with our ruffian boyfriend from the other side of town because Absolutely, he's too yes. low class, you know? That is the situation here. As a fan base, we are being told that we may never see our boyfriend again, despite the fact yeah. that he loves us very very much that is the metaphor i feel like wyatt nailed it with um scott pilgrim because in yes. that situation you know they're exes but they're not scott's exes he didn't break up with them you know <laughs> yes <laughs> the person yes. that he wants to be with broke up with all of these people that's the perfect yeah. metaphor don't tell me to get over it that, you know, Tyler Toffoli moved on. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to end his career in Vancouver. And when that's, well, that's the case, that's... you should be furious about it. I don't understand that at all. Like, I mean, I can understand why forget about it, get over it is the is the go-to line for anyone who wants to defend this re regime because that's clearly what they do every offseason. <laughs> forget about everything that just happened. Like, whether, whether it's 10 minutes ago or five years ago, well, just forget about it because we're going to make all the same fucking mistakes over and over again. Like, I'll never understand that because it's uh, – I'll get over – Tyler Toffoli being on another team when there's a new general manager who's not going to make that mistake. Then I'll get over it. But it's it's the laundry list of, of mistakes that you've made with no – it's not even – like I don't want to be the guy who, who goes on the podcast or the radio or writes the column about fire the GM. Mm -hmm. It sucks. It doesn't feel nice. It's not fun. But like the fact that you, you didn't hire a uh, new poho you didn't bring anybody into the front office. It's just gotten smaller and smaller over time. How do you get over these mistakes when the people who are in charge are allowed to continue to make them? It doesn't make any sense to me. I will say, too, um, just just to get back on a, a slightly less negative note. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to get this out there in case I forget. But I do think this Ottawa, quote unquote, series is really probably going to be what determines the the tone of the season they got to win two of these three games yes that's not that high of a bar but they have to win two of these three games if they don't do at least that well i think we're going to see the criticism reach a fever pitch to a degree that we still somehow haven't seen like i i feel like we we've seen a lot of uh, a heat directed at this management team when all their players left in free agency this offseason, uh, when they signed Louis Erickson, when they signed Tyler Myers, um, all kinds of stuff. Even, even when they traded for JT Miller, which obviously ended up working out. But this would be on a new level if they drop two of three against a team that was the worst team in the league for the past couple seasons. I 
don't know if their current structure can even survive to the end of the season. It's going to be a new level of hatred. <laughs> yeah, and man, bef- before, I want to circle back to Toffoli one more time and kind sure, of tie sure. all of these ideas together because, uh, you know, speaking of the get over your ex metaphor, uh, we, we <laughs> saw, uh, you know, Toffoli get labeled on the broadcast last night uh, as the one who got away. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Dan Riccio, bless his soul, sort of extended on that metaphor on Twitter and said uh, he was the perfect fit, but the timing just wasn't right. You know, the one, the one that <laughs> yeah. you met at just the right, uh, who was just so great for you, but whatever was going on in both your lives, the timing didn't quite work out. <laughs> the timing was perfect, honestly. Like, this was yeah, an, couldn't have been better. This was an unprecedented buyer's market as a result of the pandemic. And yes, it is correct that nobody could have foreseen a global pandemic and, you know, the effects that that would have on the economics of the sport and the effects that that would have on the salary cap and so on, etc. But... They had an unprecedented buyer's market in the exact time that if you had any sort of foresight whatsoever, you would have identified as the time for the Canucks to be buyers. If they had yeah, planned The beginning things, of the window. Exactly. If they had planned things properly, if they had you know proper process and actually looked at when their window was going to be, that would have been the spot that they had set themselves up to have all sorts of caps space to go out and acquire all sorts of help for their promising young players. Instead, the mistakes of literally five years ago at this point prevented them from doing anything. And that's no one's fault but Jim Bennings, ultimately. Like, there's... Sorry. Yes, the pandemic is a big thing, and who could have seen that coming? Honestly, who would have known that these Canucks would be ready to compete right now Anybody paying attention two, three years ago if you were doing proper assessments? It just drives me insane to think that, like, oh, well, it's COVID, so it's fine. Yeah, I don't understand that one bit because even absent COVID, this would have been the offseason to load up anyways. Yeah. It's the final season of your two best players, ELCs, like, you can find, there's all kinds of models you can look at you know, past teams. Chicago is the most obvious example, but there are others too. That's a good way to um, introduce a team as a cup contender, right? And, and ideally, if you if you build a team really, really, really well, um, you can kind of undergo a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A cycle that's sort of like what we've seen with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You get one run when your elite star players are still early on in their careers and make a next to nothing. Then maybe you get another run a few years after that when you've had the ability to kind of weather those losses that often happen once a team becomes competitive. And you get another run. And then you get another run late in the career when, uh, you know, if everything goes right, maybe you have some new youth that's that's coming in your um Oh, why can't I remember? It's this is the thing. I uh, I don't pay attention to hockey for eight months, and then I forget what everyone's name is. But what's that kid's name in uh, in Pittsburgh? Why can't I remember his name? He plays with Crosby a lot. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure who you're referencing right now. Yeah, fuck. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyways, you you get these. You know, if it's uh, if you want to use Chicago as an example, like Tara Vinen or whatever, or like you know, just these uh, these young support pieces are able to come in, and then you can get another run out of that. 
Um, and, and, you know, if your goal is to win, which I've never been convinced is Francesco Aquilini's goal, but if your goal is to win, that's what you should be looking for. You should be looking to build a team that can be competitive over like a decade span or more. And any smart person could have seen that the opening of that window would have been around this time. And you and I had arguments about it and you ended up being, um, I think more correct in terms of how far along they were last year. You, I underestimated them and you, uh, more, I think you maybe underestimated how bad the fall could potentially be from that season. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but I definitely underestimated how, you know, how much of an impact JT Miller was going to make and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it, it, it didn't take a rocket scientist to see that the Canucks would be entering their competitive window now. And instead of retaining Tyler Toffoli or even making an ill-advised decision and re-signing Jacob Markstrom at 31, they're paying uh, Brandon Sutter and Louis Erickson more money than those two players by about $10,000. Like, there is not a, there could not be a clearer example of why you can't let people continue your management team specifically to continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. This moment was always coming. And the thing is, is that even if they do bounce back, they'll just be kicking this moment further along down the line. Mm -hmm. It will eventually come back to bite them because you do not win a Stanley cup spending money this inefficiently in a cap world. You just don't, it's never happened and it never will happen. And the most frustrating part right now, you know, when we're talking about uh, injuries just setting this roster in complete disarray, is that some of that dead money would actually be really useful right now. Like, absolutely, you cannot tell me that Sven Berchi should not be on this team. Like, I don't want to have this argument again because I was sick of having it last year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when Jake Vertanen is your first line winger in the absence of JT Miller, how the frig is... <laughs> And Berchi not on this roster at all. Like, I get that Travis just clearly hates this guy. But for the purpose of competitiveness, at some point, like, if you're Jim Benning, maybe you need to say to your coach, like, whatever your personal grievances are with this (laughs) man, I don't care. He makes us better and he would help us win right now. I don't want to be seen as much of you know, the, the the bottom six players that drive us insane when you have a Sven Berchi, a perfectly fine Sven Berchi waiting in the wings who is going to see his pricey contract expire this offseason at the end of this year. And it will definitely, I guarantee you right now, go somewhere else uh, and sign a, a reasonable, probably close to league minimum deal because he got paid quite a lot over the last little while i think he's yeah. okay on the dollars he just wants to play and he's gonna go somewhere and play and prove that he is perfectly competent and a fine contributor which is what we've been saying here all along it's just infuriating well if it continues to uh go in the direction it's going right now i'm gonna go back to embracing team spite pretty quickly <laughs> and how how funny would it be if he ended up in calgary <laughs> like back in calgary Playing with like Monahan and Gaudreau, with, and finally Re- getting that first line that every uh, Calgary Flames fan in 2012 was imagining. And Rasmus Anderson is their top pairing defenseman at the same time. Oh, it would be so good. It really would. <laughs>
Uh, let's wrap it up by talking about Tyler Myers, who is apparently sure. going to avoid suspension for his extremely silly hit in the dying moments of last night's action. Um, how much is that lack of suspension just a favor for the Canucks and their lack of defensive depth right now? It's sure funny to think that like Aaron Rome gets four games in the Stanley Cup final for his hit and Tyler Myers doesn't get any for this. Uh it really does go to show you that how much everybody likes your general manager as a guy matters a lot more than people are probably willing to admit. Like, I, I'm, I'm honestly here for the argument that, like, you had to make Jim Betting your general manager over Mike Gillis just because no one else in the league was ever going to, like, <laughs> give a 50-50, uh, like, take a 50-50 bet and give it in, uh, or in, uh, have it go in Gillis's favor, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think people actually, like, underestimate the degree to which that happens within the league. Uh, all the sort of... Um, glad handing and back scratching and all that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into a, into conspiracy theories, but I think you're dead on. I think that somebody at the league looked at, uh, looked at the roster and looked at, you know, the television ratings that were at stake, uh, with the Canadian division and went, we can't do this to them. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> They're already being punished enough. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Man, I just worry, though, that by not taking any sort of action disciplinarily, other than, you know, ejecting him from the game at the end of it the other night, they are setting up this third game in a row to be just an absolute bloodbath, um, you know, vengeance quest disaster. And it's, look, with the the losses on the defense, I'm already expecting this game to be a disaster. Uh, the Game two of this series was really impossible to watch and have any sort of fun uh, through the first 20 minutes anyways. Um, but but I do wonder if high emotion is going to be a factor or if, you know, both teams get a warning perhaps from the league beforehand that uh, don't don't do that because we're we're <laughs> we're kind of watching you right now. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I hope so. Like, I, I, I just this isn't even really real hockey, in my opinion, in a lot of ways like they they probably just shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. If we're being honest, I appreciate the entertainment value of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to have something to do, but it would just be anybody who gets horrifically injured or gets a concussion this season. It's going to be so depressing. So I, I just, I really hope cooler heads prevail because uh, I, I like a lot. I, I like a lot of guys on the Canucks team, obviously. And I like, I really like Montreal's team as well. I just I don't want to see anything get ugly. I, I have no appetite for that with with the way things are right now. Yeah, I got I got one more thing for you, Jackson, before I let sure. you go, and that is, uh, you know, I spent so much of this off season feeling like uh, Jalen Chatfield was was like an off. <laughs> <laughs> that it was just a psyop yes. being perpetrated on Canucks fans because they needed this guy to be on the roster and therefore they were going to will it into happening by just talking about how he was going to be there all offseason despite the fact that no one who watches the Utica Comets was like, yeah, this is an NHL player in waiting. Literally yeah. no one. No yeah, one. No. Uh, and yet we are, uh, you know, one game into being without him. And I'm like, oh God, please bring back Jalen Jett. They, they really <laughs> miss his calming presence on the blue line (laughs) i know i know it's so it's so great like this was always the thing i like i'm always surprised i guess how quickly i could be proven right like i was so um i was so ready during this off season to be like okay 
They got a lot better. It's going to be grueling. The process of waiting to be proven right is going to be really grueling. It's going to be really annoying. And uh, we, I cut a solo episode earlier in the offseason about um, kind of the path to contention and how it essentially didn't exist for the Canucks, at least not uh, without a major change, a major unforeseen sort of um, transaction or whatever. And uh, one of the things that I mentioned, the thing that I actually kept harping on over and over again was the defense is just a complete black hole after Quinn Hughes, if you think in terms of years rather than games, right? Um, they had to find a replacement for Chris Tanev, which they did with Travis Hamanick, but it's just another old broken guy. Uh, Alex Edler is a million years old. Tyler Myers is over 30 and getting worse, and it's debatable how good he was to begin with. And we're already seeing how bad the organizational depth is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Jalen Chatfield, he looked okay in his, uh, in his first appearances there. But, like, what's coming? What else is coming? Hey, Jet, you know, Jet Wu is the only guy who's still on the way who is not a part of this group that's just been thrown into shark-infested waters and told to swim. Well, people were uh, getting frustrated with me last year about uh, – saying that this team went all in to make the playoffs last year. Well, we're seeing it now. What, where, is the, where is the youth that's coming in? I mean, you can make the case that it's coming in at forward, I think. Like, Hoagland there looks pretty good. We'll see what happens with Put Colson. There's, there's some reasons for optimism there. But, like, this team is going to go into either next offseason or the offseason after, just after their cup window is supposed to be opening and are going to be – looking to overhaul two-thirds of their defense. Not good. Yeah. Not acceptable, frankly. Just, just at what point do we look at what's happening, regardless of how they do against Ottawa over the next few games here, and just say this is not acceptable in a premier hockey market, um, a, a market that got used to uh, not perennial contenders, but perennial competitive teams – from about, you know, 2001 to 2014. Mm -hmm. To have seven, maybe eight years of um, terrible hockey uh, with short breaks in between where the team looked okay. I, I just, I don't understand how you can go from watching, for me, it doesn't even feel that long ago, a President's Trophy team two years in a row to this and go, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, and and I understand the idea, like the argument necessarily that that you know the people who wanted to be positive were looking at this group of young defensemen and thinking, well, the 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 kids have to play in the pros at some point, no time like the present or whatever. Uh, let's see how they do, and I got a feeling some of them are going to be good, even though none of them look very good at the moment. Uh, you know, okay, but I'm sorry, when the team sucked, you wouldn't play the kids exactly. You, exactly, you wouldn't play the kids when the team was bad and it made sense to play the kids and now that the team is good and they're supposed to be winning games and competing for the playoffs it's oh yeah we got to play the kids <laughs> it's just it does one thing never follow the other you, like you, you I, I traded hunter shankarik for marcus granland when it was time to play the kids and yeah the, and, then, I, and during their competitive window you are uh you know i said four rookie defensemen none of which look like they can really play all that well at the moment and, save for the guy who got injured unfortunately after one what game a, what a perfect deep cut to go with 
Because if that is not the perfect example of the team making a decision that paid off, but the decision-making <laughs> process being incredibly stupid, I do not know what is. I, <laughs> that is exactly, whether it's Hunter Shankarik, uh for Marcus Granlund, whether it's a first-round pick for JT Miller, like... It, the, the thing is, is that if you make bad deals over and over again, a few will eventually pay it off. It's the broken clock is right twice a day principle. Yeah. But like when when you point to the good moves and are still able to say that there's a very strong case that they were stupid, that's not a good sign. <laughs> well, because eventually you're going to run into bad luck or somebody's going to get hurt or whatever. And that you you can't afford in the NHL to make bad bets because you're going to be undone by bad luck at some point. So you have to make as many good bets as possible so that then you can mitigate the risk of, of bad luck. It's just that simple. To, to be a, a student of history and to make one more uh, example from the archives, I was looking at all these people, and I think I already made this analogy on Roxy yes. Fever earlier in the offseason. Yeah, probably. Uh, I was watching all these people say, you know, you got to play the kids. No time like the present. See what you have. And that's one side of it, I suppose. All I could think of was the offseason where Dave Nonis came into the year with an open spot on his top six reserved for Manitoba Moose leading scorer Jesse Schultz. Yes. Uh, a, a top six slot that I believe would eventually be filled that year by Ryan Shannon of the Ottawa Senators. Oh, and, hell yeah. You know, that is, you know, not good memories of watching those guys, <laughs> honestly, and watching that level of preparation in the offseason where, you know, and it's the exact same thing. Why did Nonis do that? Why did Nonis spend all offseason talking up Jesse Schultz in much the same way that local radio had talked up Jalen Chatfield this offseason? Because he had no other option but wanted to present that as a good thing yeah and you know for anybody listening to this out there right now uh keep an enemies list keep a list of all the people who were uh manufacturing consent for <laughs> all the terrible decisions that have been made in the last little while and also keep note of the people who did not do that because those are the people you can trust and chief among them are the two people that you heard today <laughs> myself and Mr. Justin, and um, I think you've you've now probably reached two episode lengths. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> me, so. Yes, absolutely. So that will do it for us today, but always a pleasure yeah, chatting, awesome. Jackson. Um, people can find you, of course, over at Roxy Fever, and um, thanks for doing this, man. It feels good to be uh, back into the swing of things, as it were. Oh, yes. I could almost, uh, you could almost convince me that things were normal for the past hour, so <laughs> thanks for that. I appreciate talking to you. My pleasure. There it is, the second half of my conversation with Jackson McDonald. And, of course, as I mentioned, you can find his stuff at Roxy Fever. And hopefully he will be making some contributions both to Pass It to Bullis and uh, Daily Hive Offsides this season. Uh, we will have to wait and see, but I would assume that is where you will find his writing at some point over the course of this hockey season. I hope you enjoy uh, Game 3 of Canucks and Habs tonight, as enjoyable as it possibly can be, given the state of the Vancouver defense at the moment. But uh, whatever happens in tonight's game, I will be back with you tomorrow to talk all about it. And then we uh, have that series against the Senators to look forward to next week, and I got some fun Ottawa guests lined up to talk about that as well. So lots to look forward to here on Locked on Canucks over the next little while. 
and I'm happy to be back doing it as well. I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette. If you want to do me a solid, you can head on over to wherever you find the show. Leave us a rating and a review. Five stars if you're so inclined. I always love to read what people have to say about the program, or you could tell someone about it as well. That always helps spread the word quite literally. Uh, Until tomorrow, you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.